Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics on sale August 28th, 2019. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Age of Dem. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And every week we're going to go through all the new Marvel comics that are out. And you guys, there are 900 <laughs> comics out this week, including Marvel Comics number 1000. Yeah, which makes it like... 950. Yeah. There's a lot <laughs> yeah. for us to talk about this week, and it's a really, really good week of comics. We're also going to run you through uh, the new collections out and stuff that's hitting Marvel Unlimited and uh, the Marvel Comics app. It's great. I'm very excited. Lots yeah. to talk about. All right. We're starting off uh, this week with Absolute Carnage number two. It's one of like five or six like massive like would be the biggest book of the week if it was any other week Yeah. Um, books. Uh, this is Absolute Carnage number two. It's written by Donnie Cates with pencils by Ryan Stegman, inks by J.P. Meyer, and colors by Frank Martin with letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. You know, it's something that Donnie and Ryan mentioned when they were on Marvel Live just recently uh, that like, you know, this is a horror event and you can so feel it. And not just in terms of the narrative, but in terms of the way that it's stylized, in terms of the way that the rain falls down, in terms of just literally if you just like pulled out, you know, like um, like if you ever see like a movie that's just stretched out, like and you just see the the colors from each frame, you know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. one long thing, like if you did that for this, you would just just all red, all black, a little bit of kind of like dark greens and stuff like that. But it's so, so spectacular. I love to see Donnie's take on Peter Parker. I think it's so, so interesting because he's such a special writer. He's such a he has such a unique point of view. I would recommend reading uh, a book we're about to get to in a second before this, right? Really? If you're going to uh, write, maybe, what do you think? Like, uh, like Lethal Protectors? No. Or no. Miles. <sighs> it's tough. It's, it's like it's like the prequels to the original trilogy. <laughs> like, you could kind of do it either way, and it'll yeah. work. But uh, that's what I, what, what do you think? Well, because Miles, there's... Stuff that happens in the Miles issue that's before yes. what we see in Absolute Carnage proper, but then you like you sort of have to thread them together. Right. Um, and so with that said, I would probably put regular Absolute Carnage first. Right. Just for me to like set the stage. I get then it. you then you, you do a deeper dive. Yes. And into you see things. where how things got there yeah. and everything like that. Yeah, I completely see that point of view. I just gotta say, it has been a rough few weeks for Miles Morales. <laughs> <laughs> Poor kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great issue, though. Totally. Uh, up next, all right, we've, yeah, as Tucker mentioned and I mentioned, we have uh, several Absolute Carnage tie-in issues, the first of which is Absolute Carnage Lethal Protectors, number one, written by Frank Thierry, art by Flaviano, colors by Federico Bli, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, and there is a big note in here. Under the title on the credits page, warning, the events of the story take place after Absolute Carnage number one and number two. If you haven't read them yet, proceed at your own risk. Uh, with that said, yeah, you probably do want to, like, you, you get the main stuff out of the yeah. way and then it it throws you. There's a, a really great splash page in Absolute Carnage number two that shows different scenes from different books. And so you, you dive into the lethal protectors here. Um, this issue follows John Jameson and Misty Knight uh, is like, you know, um, all the wild horror stuff happening inside Ravencroft with carnage. It's even wilder than you we've seen in the main series. It really dives into 
This is just some gnarly things going on. Dark magic, blood, sacrifice, betrayal, dismemberment, uh, some really messed up Frank Thierry dark humor, yeah. and uh, carnage kissing a goblin. It's real good. <laughs> um, look, I got to hold my hands up. It says it right here in bold print, and I must have missed it. Read Absolute Carnage, Miles Morales, number one, after Absolute Carnage, number one, and number two. There it is. It's in ink. I was wrong. I hold my hands up. And this is written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Federico Vicente, colors by Eric Garciniega, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Um, this is like actually one of my favorite uh, kind of individual Miles stories from Saladin so far. I really, really loved it. I love the kind of changing dynamic between, quote, hero, quote, villain, and then, this other thing, this third thing, the absolute carnage thing that comes in and kind of disturbs the entire dynamic. Heck yeah. Um, all right, on to Amazing Spider-Man number 28, written by Nick Spencer, pencils by Kev Walker, inks by John Dell, colors by Laura Martin and Andrew Crossley, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, this one is the third part of Who Run the World? Pizza. I love pizza. <laughs> um, and it features the syndicate, which is uh, Beatles group of female supervillains who are playing by their own rules they've mm-hmm. got you know they're looking at new dynamics and ways of doing what they do with like healthcare and and sort of it's almost like a co-op right uh which is great uh again great banter with all of them uh plus you've got boomerang spider-man kingpin all of them it's just nick does that bantery dialogue snappiness so well it's uh, it, it's one of his trademarks. It's really mm-hmm. great. And, of course, Kev Walker. Need him always on yeah. ongoing series. Totally. Forever, forever. Uh, next up we have Avengers 23, which is by Jason Aaron and Stefano Caselli. Colors by Jason Keith and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Uh, this, like, if I just read this book... You know, without any context, I'd be like, whoa, that's got to be like the end of an arc at least or like something. This is such a good issue because so many of the threads that have been set up for a very long time feel like they're all starting to weave in and out and play in concert. And it's so cool. We have the kind of occultish side of things with Hellstrom and the Ghost Riders. We have uh, everything uh, going on with obviously uh, Avengers of One Million BC, which is so just like the coolest thing ever. Uh, and then we have uh, a few other elements that I don't want to spoil. Um, but seeing it all come together and seeing how the Avengers respond, in particular, I'm thinking of like Thor, maybe um, some like great kind of narration happening. But it's like dramatic, involved narration in a way. And it sets up some really cool moments that I just adored and cannot wait to see Jason Aaron's take on a certain character coming through. Yeah, yeah. for real. Uh, all right, up next is Black Panther number 15. Um, this is written, uh, of course, by Tanahasi Coates, art by Daniel Cunha. The two of them are just credited together. Not, not even like writer and artist in here. It's just by Tanahasi Coates and Daniel Cunha. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Like just. Pure collaboration. Lettering by VCs Joe Sabino. Um, man, T'Challa finally made it home. Yeah. This is it. He did it. But what does that mean for the battle that he's been waging in space? What does it mean for Wakanda? What does it mean for Storm and T'Challa? Uh, that's sort of like central to what this issue is. It's Yeah, he, he got to that certain goal that he was trying to get to, is getting home, redeeming himself. But 
there's still so much to do. There's still billions of people who are slaves because of this intergalactic empire of Wakanda that does not sit well with him. Of course it doesn't. Uh, Acuna, man, he draws the most magnificent storm. There's this, there's this moment where T'Challa turns around because he expects – he's like, what? He's like, you're not Shuri. Uh, and I turned <laughs> it. I was like, oh, no, who's going to be attacking him? And then you get this amazing image of Storm. She's like, no, I'm not. And it's just the way she looks so cool. Um, she's got her black and gold and red outfit, majesty and epicness. Uh, and the last beats of this issue then bring it into like this horror realm, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, uh, we have a, a Ta-Nehisi double dip here with uh, next up uh, we have uh, Captain America 13, which is, of course, by Ta-Nehisi Coates uh, alongside Jason Masters and Sean Isaacs. Again, just a triple build buy right there. Uh, and then we have colors by Matt Mila and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And this is my first pick of the week. I love the cast of supporting characters that have been brought into this story. It has really given beautiful new context for this character in this story and the people that Cap uh, works with, surrounds himself by, why he does it. Um, because it's almost in a way, it's like there are certain fights that he maybe isn't the best fit to fight in a way. And that's a fascinating aspect of this character. So to see how he manages, of course, like his recent past, that's been a huge obstacle for him. It's a really fascinating element of this series is because really we don't have like, you know, each issue is just as much about the kind of villain uh, literally there in his way or trying to fight or kill him in equal measure. He's up against this other thing, this intangible thing of like what's going on in, you know, the last couple of years with him, where his reputation lies, how he's thought of at large by the country, by the world. So to manage those two things is so, so interesting. And I love the name of this story arc. Uh, It's called the legend of Steve. Um, and this is part one of this arc. It's so fantastic. I picked this issue because, uh, one, we have some fantastic dialogue that I really love. It's a challenging stuff where characters come in with really defined points of view and they make their case and you can come th- that thing where you just totally see both sides of the discussion. Um, and that takes some really fantastic writing. Then there's one sequence in this book that was just like... It's truly kind of everything comics can be in that way, where it's just like no other medium can do this. Um, I love the way the sh- so it's essentially like the shield is being thrown. Um, you don't see Cap, you just see the shield, but it's like done in this way where you kind of see the motion blur. You see it bouncing off of objects and hitting bad guys, and um, and I think it's it's important to note it is not just the shield and not just Captain America. Yeah, it's Steve. Because he's not wearing the yes. traditional Captain America outfit. He's wearing a super soldier outfit. Yeah. And it is not the sh- the traditional shield. It is the energy shield. Right. So it's really like – and that those are very specific for parts of the story. Yes. Uh, his choices. Yes. There's a huge uh, mural of mm. Steve in the Commander uh, Rogers-like uniform here at Marvel HQ, um, which I always think of because that – yeah, that has Bucky as Cap. Anyway, this sequence plays through and it's so fantastic. It, it, it reminds me actually of one of – I believe it might have been Captain America number one by Tanha. Coates came out over a year ago at this point, July 4th, 2018, where it says that, and it kind of gave the the mission statement of ta Steve Rogers. And it said like, 
Uh, it, it's it's something that is so classic Captain America, but I just love the way that it was phrased and everything. It was just like, S- Steve Rogers isn't loyal to the Avengers. He's not loyal to the American government. He's not loyal to anything. He's loyal to one thing, and that's the dream. Uh, and I just love that so much. It hits the heart of this character in such a beautiful way. And, then, and throughout this sequence, it's the, the kind of captions are just like so immensely powerful, especially knowing that this issue was written over three months ago, just mm. by the nature of how yeah. comics are published and how timely and how amazing this is. It, you know, no one knows uh, this character. No one knows these ideals and, and this, you know, um, this entire subject matter in the way that Tanahasi Coates does. Uh, and this is one of those moments where it just all coalesced together. And it, it was just like an amazing, enormous, like huge, beautiful a moving read, and I loved it so much. Heck yeah. Yeah. Uh, up next is Doctor Strange, number 18, written by Mark Wade, art by the mighty Jesus Saiz, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Uh, this one, you know, well, first things first, I have to give a shout out to the Bring on the Bad Guys variant cover, mm-hmm. uh, because we've been doing these for a little while. They are cool covers featuring villains, right? Like, that's the that's the thing. This one, the one here for this issue of Doctor Strange, is it features Nightmare. It's by Marcos Martin. It is one of my favorite covers of the year. Mm-hmm. It is gorgeous. It's real, real great. Um, anyway, the inside issue is not about Nightmare. It is really cool, though. It's a one-and-done story about Strange trying to rid a house and a family of a demon very funny, really scary, kind of twisted. It reminds me of an 80s horror movie, you know, sort of maybe like a poltergeist right. type thing of like freaky and weird uh, mixed with a bottle episode of a great TV show. You know, <laughs> it's it's just really cool. Highly recommended, um, especially if you've never read Doctor Strange. I think this one is cool because it sort of encapsulates a lot of what Doctor Strange can be. Yeah. It reminds me of... There's a, like a, a it might be J.M. Dematius and Mark Buckingham Doctor Strange issue from you know a long mid '90s that mm. I love that it was just like Doctor Strange and uh, a mother and daughter this really weird twisted dark story um, that was all done in one and you get a sense of what he's about and <laughs> how prickly he is but how like quirky and fun right. and what the magic is and like the little things that can change the tide it's really great plus. Jesus Saiz is a friggin' master, yeah. and it is some of the best-looking art you'll see in comics today. Okay, next up we have, hey, it's my second pick of the week. It's Fantastic Four for Yancey Street. It's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Greg Smallwood, Mark Bagley, Luciano Vecchio, and Perry Perez with color by Greg Smallwood and Eric Arciniega uh, and letters by uh, VCs Joe Caramagna. This is... Build as Fantastic Four for Yankee Street. And of course, we have, you know, the group uh, is uh, a big focus here, but. This is really might as well be called The Thing for Yancey Street, um, which I adore. There is a great, um, how many panels do we have here? Four, eight, 12. 12 panels, you get the life story of Ben Grimm. Uh, and it is done so succinctly, so beautifully. Um, but I also... And I think those are the Greg Smallwood pieces. Yes. So uh, like, of of course, yeah. because no one can capture that, like, nostalgia. But, like, yeah. it's, it's kind of... There's something grainy about it, but, like, in this just absolutely gorgeous way. Um, uh, Smallwood and, and Duggan have teamed up on, on some really brilliant issues in, in the last couple of years. This is definitely one of them. Um, 
I love that. And I love, it's kind of the perfect encapsulation of Ben Grimm for me, because you have in those 12 panels, like this incredibly emotional story and background. Uh, And if you've never read the thing or don't know who he is and you dig into this, like you're there immediately and you get who this character is immediately. And then you come in, you jump into the present day and you see uh, essentially that there are some like ne'er do wells in the the Fantastic Four's new neighborhood on Yancey Street um, who don't want them there. There's like there's the graffiti that's telling them to get out, things like that. I love that because it's like just an opportunity to have fun with angry Ben and is the <laughs> best. Uh, it is so much fun to see uh, uh, to see the thing like see this graffiti get so pissed off and just like stomp in and be like. Read like read. I'm gonna knock these palookas <laughs> yeah, out. Exactly. You know, you, you you can feel and like you can yeah, hear him. Exactly, that's the thing. Is like I think Jerry is like so meant for um uh, for writing the thing. It just works so perfectly. Also, like Mark Bagley is a superhero. Yeah, yeah. because he also drew a book we're going to talk about later, which is a giant epic. Which some of the most emotional, yep. devastating, incredible pages. Uh, we'll see this week, but also he did like ha- a third of this book, yeah, just because, yeah. And you know he's been on a regular monthly schedule. It is nuts. He is friggin' legend. Yep. I love him so much. Uh, I do want to make sure it's important to note the um, like Yancey Street is a play on Delancey Street, where uh, you know Jack Kirby's from the Lower East right. Side. So like, there's so much Kirby in the yeah. thing, and that's I think. Part of what makes the character so great is just like a twist on someone who was real and like played up and and Jack had so much fun building that character. Oh, also, we just recently announced the Marvel's podcast that is coming Mm -hmm. exclusively to Stitcher Premium and producer Harry Goh played me some of the actor who plays the thing. Yeah. Played me some of the audio and I was like. Oh my god! This is incredible. <laughs> All right, I gotta go visit. You I gotta go, to ask go Harry. hear yeah. it. Yeah, I oh, can't wait awesome. for everybody listening to hear it because he is incredible. All right, it's wonderful stuff. Uh, all right, up next is Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number eleven, written by Tom Taylor, art by Juan Cabal, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, this one, another done in one. Oh, the friggin' Fantastic Four issue. I'm kind of pissed at it because it's just one issue. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, great. We got a new series. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's just one issue. I know. What are we like, doing? That could easily be the the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man 100%. to, you know, yes. Fantastic Four proper. Yes, yeah. it should be. All right. Dang you and it. me, let's marching downstairs like like Ben in that issue. Yeah. Uh, Tom Brevo, yeah. give us more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, another done in one issue. Uh, mostly, you know, like 90% of it focuses on Mary Jane. It's one of my favorite issues of the week. Not one of my picks because there's some... Wild stuff still to come. Uh, But one of my favorite issues, we start with Spider-Man in line for a bagel. Uh, He's picking up breakfast for him and the wife. Comes home, pretty much passes out. So Mm -hmm. then we start to follow Mary Jane as she goes through her day. She helps May with something really sweet and really sad. Shows how awesome she can be in the middle of a crisis in like literally like dealing with a troll, a giant troll and a crash subway car (laughs) under Manhattan. And she's like cool, calm, collected, great in a crisis, a leader. She's very smart. It's a really sweet story of love, responsibility, and the strength of this relationship. I think mm-hmm. it's such a testament. And I can't wait. We're getting uh, Leah Williams to do the Amazing Mary Jane oh, yeah. real soon. So I, I can't wait for more. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. 
hold on to your butts, folks, because next up we have House of X number three. It's written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Pepe Larraz, colors by Marte Gracia, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh, something that was so fun to hear, some like behind the scenes kind of info that ex-editor Chris Robinson tweeted out this weekend that I that I saw him just like, wow, that's such a f- fascinating insight into everything going on down there in the X office right now. He said, now that Hickman is show running everything in the X world, he says, we get notes like resonate, don't just exist, which mm-hmm. is like so cool it is the most jonathan hickman thing ever you know but then all of his emails end with uh, but don't whatever like <laughs> or, yeah. or don't like it's what do I know? Yeah. this could be garbage yeah. I didn't um, go, you know fall asleep yeah me. it's so perfect but it, it and that is like a perfect encapsulation of where we are in this issue this issue is for me the by far the most dramatic issue of uh, house of x and powers of 10 that we've read so far it is huge in scale it, like we uh, you know, explore some of the more cosmic elements uh, again that we've slowly been getting to know in some new ways in this series, and of course in Powers of Ten. I love to see that drama come through, and it's really amazing that we've gotten here so far. And got to be honest, like while I'm talking about it, this is speeding by. It's crazy. Like yeah. we're already we're halfway, halfway done. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, and that is a testament to like the quality of the story. We're just like every single issue. I'm just dying to read. The very end of this book, um, to me, felt like. I mean, the whole thing feels like the most X Men. Yes. X Men. Yes. It is everything that we've talked about is all these new ideas. It's big. It's wild. You know, Jonathan's got all these wild plans. It's years of this and that and all this other stuff. But at its core. It feels so X-Men and like in all the best ways. It made me so – it keeps making me so happy. And plus it is not – it is world building. Every issue has something and it's not just world building for the Mm X-Men. It is world building for – it's universe building for Mm -hmm. Marvel. He's putting pieces into play that will – I'm sure we will see now being used in other books throughout the line as this sort of like – spirals and opens up into more and more comics yeah yeah i we we on marvel.com we've been doing some kind of spoiler sessions uh with each new book where uh uh, yeah spoiler alert don't read them if you haven't read the issue first read the issue first but then uh go check out these reads um we've been doing some uh kind of roundups by uh one of our writers blair marnell who puts these things in beautiful context about like oh this happened that kind of recontextualizes something that happened 20 years ago. Uh, and what does it mean for that? And, and and it does like looks back in the past, looks forward in the future. It does a great kind of thoughtful job at like b- putting that all into context and saying like, this isn't just a, a, something that is contained within these single issues. This truly is reshaping so much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, man. Whew. Now it's time for the big boy yep. of the week. Marvel Comics number 1000. And it is we, – we're not even going to give it one of our picks of the week because yeah. it's so big. It's so important. It's so incredible that it is bigger than just one of us. So it'll, it's a very special fifth pick or mm-hmm. first pick for the entire issue. The mastermind behind it is writer Al Ewing. Yep. And there are way too many creators to dig into. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a very important thing. We're not going to be able to list all of yeah. them. We, <laughs> we could. That would be a whole episode yeah. in and of you itself. You just wouldn't want to listen to that. It is 96 pages long. I just looked at the page count in the PDF that Crazy. I have that I'm, I'm going through. It is 
wild. So there are a few things happening here. I want to run through that real quick. The first being this overarching story spanning hundreds of years, primarily if not fully written by Al. Mm -hmm. And that's throughout the issue. So of the 96 pages, it's not just like one story and then these other stories. It is spread throughout. The second thing is that there's a series, you know, when it's not Al's big story, it is a series of one-page stories by a ton of creative teams that are just simply celebrating Marvel Comics and Marvel history. Uh, the third thing is that each page in this issue, whether it's the Al page, one of Al's pages, or one of the other creative teams, each page is uh, connected to a year of Marvel history. The issue begins in 1939 and moves forward. Some of these uh, pages are for, like, they're tied to, oh, this was the first appearance of this thing. This mm -hmm. was the first issue of this run. Uh, some are for creators. This is the first time this creator did this book. Um, some, you know, are uh, tying it to whatever year it is. So it's not a uniform thing, but over the 80 years, it bridges, like, you're reading this one um, for whatever reason, and this is why we chose yeah. this year to go with this character and this story. Um, all that being said, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, the, I gotta get, we got to give hats off to the editorial team. Come on. Tom Brevoort, Alana Smith, Shannon Andrews, Belisteros, and C.B. Sabolsky, and, of course, the many, many other folks who worked their butts off to make this reality – 80-plus creative teams, I think, is a huge undertaking. It's a sick task. It, is, <laughs> like, it yeah. is like the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate editorial challenge. Just think about it. Like, yeah. literally just the, the practical matter of having to communicate, this is like, this is your page, this is your story, this is how it weaves in everything, to all of these different people who are involved is so nuts. And making this good. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, yeah. like... Because you're dealing with 80 different creators or 80 different creative teams yeah. who all have their ideas and, you know, the editorial has to work with each one. Of course, we got to give a big shout out to Al Ewing and his collaborators. They're all good. The story actually begins, which is really neat, with a panel from Marvel Comics number one. They pull a panel as the first page of this issue. Mm -hmm. It is a small panel from I think it's the second or the third page of the Human Torch story in Marvel Comics number one of these three guys uh, walking into a room talking to Professor Phineas Horton, the guy who creates the Human Torch. Mm -hmm. That is our jumping off point. That is like the the thing that Al like sparked yeah. into this mammoth book. Al also does a page with George Perez. I think it is George's last Marvel page ever. Wow. Um, that's he, cause he's retiring yep. and he wanted to do one more page and it is, uh, as we've it's been announced that it's a white tiger page. It's really great. It is like, you look at it, you go, what? he's, this is retirement. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. Going he's so top. good. True living legend. Yeah. This is comic books like at their true best. Like this is everyone involved is at, is all-star hall of fame level. It's crazy. Um, so good. And it is the freak terrifying mind of Al Ewing. Yeah. I talk about it all the time. I need to like coin a term for it <laughs> when like something he does like just freaks me out given like how crazy smart that guy is. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's the dang best. Yeah. Well, Tucker, I want to give a big special thank you to our advertiser this week, Marvel MasterCard, because we have so many comics out this week. Did you know that you could be earning cashback rewards for buying all of these comic books? How, you ask? Well, 
with the Marvel MasterCard. Learn how at marvelmastercard.com slash list. You could earn 3% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on comic books, movies, restaurants, and more with the Marvel MasterCard, and 1% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on all other purchases. There's no limit on the cashback rewards you can earn, and you can enjoy special Marvel benefits like three months of a Marvel Unlimited subscription, uh, and you can also choose your superhero from one of six cool card designs as well, like Iron Man, Black Panther, and Spider-Man, just to name a few. Visit marvelmastercard.com slash list to learn more and apply today. marvelmastercard.com slash L-I-S-T. All right. Uh, up next is my first solo pick of the week. It is Marvel Monsters number one, written by Colin Bunn, art by Scott Hepburn, colors by Israel Silva. So there is a couple of extra things in here. There's a lot of artists on this book. Uh, there's also... An incredible variant cover. If you have the opportunity, pick up the variant cover by Superlog, Japanese artist. Mm -hmm. Just wild. It looks like a 1970s uh, painted monster movie poster. Mm -hmm. It is so cool. Superlog also does monster cross-sections, like Anatomy of Monsters. So part of what this book is all about is um, it's Cullen Bunn. Uh, sort of continuing the story of Kid Kaiju and the monsters from Monsters Unleashed, uh, that series from like two years ago. Uh, following him, he has a new adversary. We meet a, a new villain in here who's great. This new villain is great. This villain has uh, the um, anatomy of the monstrous, mm -hmm. a book. And that ends up being part of this issue as we open into the book and we see different pages. And on the left side of a page is a basically a pinup by an incredible artist. On the right side is uh, one of Superlog's cross sections. Mm -hmm. And they are incredible. You know, some of the artists in here, James Stokoe, who's one of my favorite artists of all time, Becky Cloonan, uh, Mike Allred and Laura Allred, Juan Jose Reap, and more. So cool. Uh, you get a cross section of like Fin Fang Foom or, you know, a bunch of old like 60s Marvel monsters. Man Thing is in here. Uh, it's a, just a celebration of monsters. It's crazy gorgeous. I Jake Thomas um, sent me some preview pages of this, I don't know, about a month ago or something. And I was just like, my jaw was on the floor. Yeah. It's so good. It's like, so this is such a wonderful celebration of just like comic book art in that way. It's so, so good. Yeah. And of course, Scott Hepburn and Israel Silva on like the main stuff, mm -hmm. uh, the main like narrative story. It is fantastic. It is one of the best art books we've put out yeah. with also having a really great story to it. Yeah, totally. Uh, okay, next up we have Marvel Team Up, number five. Uh, this is written by Clint McElroy with art by Ig Guara, colors by Felipe Sobrero, and uh, letters in production by VCs Clayton Cowles. At the end of the last issue uh, of Marvel Team Up, um, Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel encountered who they uh, believed to be was the original Captain Marvel, Marvel. Um, to see that as the jumping on point with this issue is so fascinating um, because it asks questions of like the lineage of this kind of group of heroes, which I found so interesting because just to think of it purely in terms of like Marvel. Then, you know, Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel, then, you know, Kamala Khan as Ms. Marvel. And to see the way these characters have influenced each other um, and, and now especially to see uh, Carol and Kamala, who have such a special bond uh, together, is so fantastic. Hats off to, to Clint McElroy, who just, you can tell, just totally gets it. And loves it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Up next is Marvel's Spider-Man Velocity Number 1, written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam with art by Emilio Lysso, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, this is huge. This is a big deal. Fans of mm-hmm. Marvel Spider-Man exclusively for PlayStation 4, this is a book for you. It's a brand new story set in the universe of the game. And it includes Swarm! There's also a great 16-bit uh, Swarm variant cover in here, which is a lot of fun. Um, and it makes them actually it makes Swarm pretty key in the development of Spider-Man's Velocity Suit. The Velocity Suit, as we know, was designed by uh, Adi Granov for the game. Mm-hmm. We did some really cool stuff with the suit in um, uh, around San Diego Comic-Con 2018, an episode of Marvel's Becoming. We yep. brought the suit out on stage in Hall H. It's really cool-looking suit, and this is sort of like a story centered around that, but so much more. We get Mary Jane with Ben Urich. There's a mysterious villain causing all kinds of chaos. It's a super fun story, especially if you like the game world. You, you got to read it. Speaking of Ben Urich, I was in the shower. Uh-oh. <laughs> and Ben Urich came in. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I have an idea for a like a comic that I want to read so bad. I'm going to ask you off air if this kind of thing has ever been written before. I would love to see it. Anyway, we're moving okay. on. We're moving also, on. Uh, in Marvel's The Podcast, Ben Yurik is played yeah. by Method Man. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's the wait. coolest thing of all time. So great. I cannot wait. Okay. Uh, next up, we have uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, number 46. This is written by Brandon Montclair, with art by Aletha E. Martinez, colors by Tomer Bonvillain, uh, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, this is uh, the first of a two-part story arc called Ms. Fantastic. Of course, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, residents of the Lower East Side. Uh, They have some new neighbors uh, uh, down on Yancey Street uh, with the Fantastic Four. This issue digs into a kind of relationship dynamic uh, emerging really fun back and forth between Moon Girl and Reed Richards, the two smartest people in the world. Uh, in he's ex- up there. I don't know if he's even top five anymore. Yeah, I, know. I mean, he's he's definitely. I don't even know if he's like where he is. Yeah, I, know. I think Valeria is smarter than yeah, him. Right. Uh, Moon Girl is smarter than him. Like, who knows? Who he's, knows? He's a he's a clever fella. He's up there. Actually, I'm reminded actually uh, of a fun little thing that I learned like after reading the issue and like after we recorded that I wish I mentioned in a recent issue of Daredevil when we see Matt Murdock and Reed playing chess in Washington Square Park. Uh, that was so cool because literally the pieces and the way they were laid out on the board were a replication of a real chess game. Chip tweeted about this, and I loved hearing about this so much. He uh, found a, a, ch- a game of chess between uh, Magnus Carlsen, like the number one ranked chess player in the world, and he played like Rain Wilson, the actor, uh, one time just so, for like some charity event or something like that. And Chip used those moves uh, to like replicate the actual game as we see it progress through the panels in the Daredevil story because that, in his mind, that was the distance between Reed's mind and Matt's mind, <laughs> which I, I just, uh, I love that so much. It's that little kind of attention to detail. It's so cool. It's That's such great. a fun little element to it. Uh, anyway, back to this story. Seeing these two characters interact is so much fun. Uh, but beyond that, seeing uh, Aletha's art in here is really, really gorgeous because there's some wacky, wild stuff going on uh, in uh, a way that... Uh, you know, c- completely like is unique to Mr. Fantastic and everything like that. 
It's so great. It's so much fun to see uh, Moon Girl essentially kind of staking her claim um, uh, in interacting in her interactions with Reed. Uh, it's just the best to see. Uh, you know, uh, I, I could read this kind of unlikely duo story forever. Part of what I I put into this book is that this is potentially the birth of the greatest supervillain of all time. Right. <laughs> like there's something about Lunella where she's just like she's so far above everyone. Yeah. She gets so frustrated yes. by people that if like there's a what if there for me. Like yes. what if something just went really wrong and Lunella <laughs> became the greatest supervillain of all time. Yeah, it's, it's possible. Yeah, yeah. And this is her birth. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's go over to Power Pack Grow Up, number one. Uh, this one is one of our big 80th anniversary uh, return stories. This is written by Louise Simonson. Pencils uh, in one story by June Brigman with inks by Roy Richardson and colors by Tamar Bonvalain. And then there's a second story with art by Guru and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, Louise Simonson, of course, legendary writer and editor. Uh, she uh, and June worked on uh, Power Pack way back in the day, and Gudihiru were the uh, the artists who brought Power Pack back mm-hmm. in the you know early mid two thousands and a bunch of really great limited series. I will stand for it forever. There's a, a limited series called Thor and the Warriors Four mm. that Gudihiru drew, and it features uh, like. Odin, Thor, Beta Ray Bill, and a couple of other Asgardian characters getting um, turned into little baby versions of themselves. <laughs> little horse face Beta Ray Bill, like waddling around, oh, is come on. so cute. You <laughs> will die. It is great. And hey, uh, Mr. Ben Morris did a great interview with Louise and June. Uh, that's on Marvel.com right oh, now. Sweet. It's about this issue. It's about their history with Power Pack, their history at Marvel Comics. Uh, it's just so much fun to read, and you know, no better person to write that. That piece then. Mr. Ben. Uh, okay. Next up, we have Runaways, number 24. This is written by Rainbow Rowell with art by Andres Ginolay, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. It's so much fun to see, you know, essentially there's kind of two stories happening in this issue. Uh, one is with Nico and Carolina, and the other one is kind of uh, the rest of the Runaways back at the house uh, and everything that's going on there. It is so it's just a never ending somehow it's surprising each issue the new ways that we find um, kind of new elements of drama but also fun just the such specific um, tapestry of those two elements that we have woven into this story um, we've spoken about it before that like this runaways run uh, is quickly becoming one of the best ever it is like Truly one of the best Marvel comics out there, a million percent. I love to see, you know, there, we have like three or four pages in here that are just a conversation between Nico and Carolina. And it's amazing. It's so much fun. And it's that thing where Andres Ginolet does an amazing job of keeping you invested, keeping you right there over these characters' shoulders, completely invested in this conversation. Uh, be sure to also listen to episode 408 of This Week in Marvel. That is the most recent episode that hit the feed. We have a history of the runaways, interview with writer Rainbow Rowell. Um, Nick the Lowe's going to be there yelling and the screaming greatest. and carrying on as he does because he loves them runaways. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Up next is She-Hulk annual number one. The writer of this issue is Alexandra Petrie, art by Andy McDonald, colors by Matt Mila, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Petrie, uh, I had to look her up because I didn't really know her stuff. Uh, She's a writer for The Washington Post. Uh, also tweets a lot about politics and, uh, like this, Star Wars stuff. Oh, yeah. She loves them Star Wars. Um, the story has some cool mind switching with Bullseye and She-Hulk and robots and Machine Smith is involved. 
I love the idea here, which is that Machine Smith, who's a robot dude, um, he's just trying to prove that he is entitled to things, even though he's died and come back to life. Um, he's trying to say that I am who I am. I'm not a different entity, even if I am in this you know, refreshed body or whatever. He is himself. He wants his dog. <laughs> he just wants his prop. Like, and the law is like, well, you, you know, you're a different person. So he goes a roundabout way to prove this and with She-Hulk because she's the lawyer that's involved with this with him. Uh, and yeah, it's real fun. Andy McDonald draws great. She- I mean, he draws everything yeah. so great. Those like really delicate lines are so cool. Well, that was the thing with reading this, these acts of evil annuals have been so much fun. And, you know, especially the, the idea of bringing new writers into the pool and getting their points of view on, on these different characters. But that's exactly what I was thinking. It was just like, you get Andy McDonald for your like one shot story. That's great. like that's the greatest. Boom. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next up, we have uh, Spider-Man Life Story number six, which is written by Chip Zdarsky with pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Andrew Hennessy, colors by Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And we're not allowed to talk about it. No, literally, <laughs> we're literally not. There was a request from uh, one Mr. Chip Zdarsky to basically the entirety of. You know, Marvel publicity, yeah. editorial, marketing, digital, like it, it spread through. It was just like Chip requested we don't talk about the events of this issue. Which I love. Yeah. He wants it to be a surprise. Yeah. He wants everybody to enjoy it once they get their hands on it. Mm-hmm. It is like so freaking good. Yeah. Uh, the uh, This is the final issue of the Spider-Man Life Story limited series. Uh, we bring things full circle here. Uh, comes to, through to the present day. Uh, literally just like. The basic math of where this series goes is all I'm allowed to say. I don't know if we can have a better endorsement or reason for you to go pick up this issue than that. If, like, we talk about every book every week, we, like, hype things up, but the one where we just say, like, okay, zero words, like, that is the number one endorsement. Yeah. I was going to pick this as one of my picks, but because we can't really talk about it, I didn't feel that was fair. Mm-hmm. Just know that it is incredible. It is one of my favorite limited series we've done. Maybe my favorite issue of the said limited series. And one of my favorite alternate universes. Yeah. It's just yeah, yeah. incredible. It, it's rare that a any like book, like because everyone around here, Marvel HQ, is kind of constantly reading, constantly keeping up with, with what's new. It, this limited series has like captured people around the office and has people talking every single issue, unlike any that I think I've ever seen. Um, There's so many people that are just like constantly coming up and I just stumble upon conversations of people talking about how spectacular it is and what a what a worthy end. Yeah. So good. Uh, all right. Up next is Star Wars Age of Resistance, General Hux. This is one of our uh, special one-offs. This one is written by Tom Taylor, pencils by Leonard Kirk, inks by Corey Hampshire, colors by Guru Effects, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, this is set before the events of Force Awakens, which is important to keep in mind. You have Hux and Ren still at each other's throats. Way back then, uh, like they just... These two boys, they can't get along no matter what. Uh, but it does show part of the reason why Hux is such a D-bag. Uh, you get to see him as a child, mm-hmm. dealing with his father, sort of ha- those formative things and what pushed him into the realms that he's done, uh, the realms that he's gone in. Um, and how he's not just this like bumbling goof, a failure or whatever. He is a scary, dangerous dude with plots like keeping things in mind about revenge, mm-hmm. diplomacy and deception. Really great issue. It's I think Hux can seem like a joke, but he is not. Yeah, that's the thing. We're, we've done some like 
really amazing, you know, backstory work in the Star Wars universe over the last, you know, 12 or, month, 12 or so months uh, with Marvel Comics of just, like, getting to know these characters and in, in, in all their depth and all their history. And, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, there's so much going on um, from, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin to the Emperor to General Hux here. There's, there's uh, you know, a ton of new ground being forged here. It's great stuff. Uh, okay, next up we have Star Wars Age of Resistance, Poe Dameron, number one. This is written by Tom Taylor with art by Ramon Rosanas, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, I think a really perfect... Um, uh, thing that Tom does here, and it's something that I think is so vital to Star Wars stories in 2019, is knowing when to lean into the the emotion, the nostalgia, the um, that kind of uh, the heart of like why we all love Star Wars so much. Knowing the right moments to do that, but also knowing the right moments when to undercut it all and to be like. This is all, uh, you know, you know, just to undercut the character and say like, oh, you're just a goofball or, or whatever it is, whoever it might be. And I think this issue has the perfect balance of those two things as well. Uh, we get some super cool new Star Wars uh, spaceship, like uniform, like design. Uniforms. I was like, well, where is this stuff yeah, from? It's so awesome. There's great, great stuff going on in there. Um, just on that front alone. Uh, yeah. It's so much fun. Awesome. All right. Up next is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge number five, written by Ethan Sachs, art by Will Sliney, colors by Dono Sanchez Amara with Proto Bunker, and lettering by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, this one, if you ever wanted to know what a baby Sarlacc looks like, this is your book, and it is real weird. <laughs> yeah. Freaked me out. Uh, it's still damn terrifying. Um, this wraps up the story of the maybe cursed sword uh, and sort of the tracking of that and how Afro tied into it. It uh, really makes me want to go to Galaxy's Edge as soon as possible, which, uh, as events have changed in my life, I may be able to do. Whoa. Yeah. All right. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Thanos number five, which is written by Tini Howard with art by Ariel Olivetti, colors by Antonio Fabella and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, this has been such a fascinating dynamic. It's like, in my mind, it's kind of a writer's dream because uh, you have the entire setup of this series. Um, and in this issue in particular, I feel like a lot of these emotional um, moments and the kind of the the friction and the split that is happening more and more issue by issue between Thanos and Gamora. Um, it's just so much fertile ground for um you know, digging into the complexities of these characters where, you know, they might surprise us where, uh, you know, for, you know, Gamora, a character that we think of in certain terms, like where she, you know, uh, kind of surprises us in maybe um, good or bad ways or Thanos, you know, a character that we know for very specific, big kind of quote, evil reasons, whatever, where he might surprise us in some good ways, things like that. Uh, there's so much going on in here. Um, but o overall to see, one, not just that kind of um, pseudo father daughter dynamic here uh, and the kind of like I can just feel the like, um, you know, the real world uh, inspiration for these kind of things that the kind of natural friction between like a kid growing up um, coming to terms with um, who she is, who, you know, her father in quotes is things like that, um, you know all the different swirling uh, and moving pieces and allegiances and things like that. Uh, it is uh, just so much fun to see on top of all of that. It's just so cool to see just purely on a pure level, just like 
Gamora becoming Gamora, you know what I mean? Like becoming the deadliest woman in the galaxy uh, because, you know, I feel like even in these five issues, we've seen that like go leaps and bounds and it's that's just so much fun on its own. Heck yeah. Yeah. All right. Up next is Thor number 16. My second pick of the week. Uh, this book makes me very sad. Uh, it is called Once Upon a Time in Asgard. It's written by Jason Aaron, art by Mike Del Mundo, with colors by Del Mundo and Marco Delfonso, with letters and production by VCs Joe Sabino. Why does this make me sad? Because it's the last issue of the main Thor series written by Jason Aaron, the last Thor issue by Jason and Mike Del Mundo. It is very much Jason saying goodbye to almost all the characters mm-hmm. he's been writing for six years. It is pretty much everyone but King Thor. Right. Everyone, this is this is the last we'll see in this book. Of course, you know, Jason's writing Avengers. He'll write whatever else he writes. And Thor, is, of course, is a big part of Avengers. But you, you have to say goodbye to so many people. Mm-hmm. And it's really great in that it, it sets the stage and sets like, okay, here's where everybody's, I'm leaving them. You know, what you think about what a, a writer comes in and does, writer most prominently, of course, the artist as well, but often the writers stay with a book longer than artists. Right. Mike and Jason together have been on this book since it launched uh, this iteration, but Jason's been on there for these six years. And so you see things like uh, the evolution of Jane Foster and how mm-hmm. she's being left at the end of this. Um, uh, the Volstag, how Volstag, you know, Volstag the Voluminous was just a member of the Warriors Three, and and, yeah. and and you know, he's sort of the goofy guy. His arc through all this, becoming the War Thor, yeah. uh, being you know a senator and all this other stuff, and having a more prominent place in the Asgardian hierarchy, even what the rest of the Warriors Three uh, have become and how they've changed by the end of this is so huge. Uh, there's great, great stuff in here. There's a moment with Thori where he's thinking something and I just like <laughs> crumpled. It yeah. killed me. Thori being uh, Thor's dog. Also, there's another animal. Every time I'm reading something next to my wife, I'm reading a comic and mm-hmm. I, I make a noise. She's like, is there an animal in there? What happened? <laughs> and it's always the truth. It's yeah. something. Yeah. There's something in here with a uh, an animal that is very close to Thor that – is the sweetest moment yeah. in the world. It made me so incredibly happy. I don't want to give it away. I don't want to spoil that. Uh, a lot of this is also setting, uh, like saying goodbye to Odin and Freya. Uh, they've mm-hmm. been such an important part of it. You know, Freya being injured and stabbed and like going through all these different things. And at the end, like them like smooching and being like, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. We have each other. We figured it all. We're starting to figure it all out. Is so wonderful. Uh, the League of uh, League of Realms is here. Mm-hmm. Man, I love this book. I love this run. I know we have King Thor coming up, and that's the end. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I can't yeah. believe it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's been like such an amazing run. The greatest. Oh, so good. Um, okay, last book this week. We have Venom number seventeen. This is written by Tony Cates with art by Ivan Coelho, uh, colors by Rain Barreto, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Um, this issue is uh, it's a testament to how planned out this entire uh, Venom run and then moving into Absolute Carnage. This is an Absolute Carnage tie-in issue. Uh, how well that's all been planned out and the, th- the seeds of this uh, and how certain characters line up so beautifully. I'm thinking mainly of Dylan Brock, uh, who is kind of the star of this issue in a big way. Uh, 
to see where, you know, we've been introduced to him. Uh, there have been some huge twists and turns along the way, including the reveal that uh, Dylan isn't actually Eddie's brother. He's his son. Uh, what we know versus what the character knows yeah. is so, so much fun um, and adds so many layers to this entire story. Uh, I loved that kind of super zoom in on uh, on that character. And, you know, as we go and like, you know, reading this and getting to know Dylan in kind of his own right in a little bit here, how he deals with issues, how he deals with certain situations um, just makes me s- just so scared moving forward just because yeah. I'm like, what's going to happen? The stakes are just continually to be raised. And like, you know, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, no, I don't want to know you because I don't want to have to care about you because I don't have to worry about you given everything that's happening. Absolute carnage. Um, but I say that in the best way. It's it's such good stuff. What was the the book from last week? Separation Anxiety? Yes. With the Life Foundation yes, symbiotes? Yes, yes, And how like that threaded right into this. Yep. And, you know, we often do these events and there's lots of tie-ins and crossovers. Everyone here feels resonant and yes. like important and they they feed into each other and they further their stories along uh, mm-hmm. which is so good yeah and it makes use of really fascinatingly of the kind of it's a very useful tool the kind of splash page that hints at a bunch of other stories and a bunch of other things going on and really kind of ties everything together and keeps it really tight um it, it's a it's a great way to, to do it okay uh, that's what we have for individual comics on sale uh, this week. Collections on sale this week include Age of X-Men, The Amazing Nightcrawler, Age of X-Men Extremists, Captain Marvel Volume 1 Re-Entry, uh, Fantastic Four by Jonathan Hickman, The Complete Collection Volume 2, Marvel Monograph, The Art of Adi Granov Volume 1, Marvel Visionaries, John Buscema, uh, uh, Star Wars, Vader, Dark Visions, Thor, Epic Collection, The Black Galaxy, War of the Realms, Journey into Mystery, Wolverine, Infinity Watch, and X-Men, Milestones, Inferno. There's a lot of good collections yeah. out this week. Holy crap. Uh, a lot of stuff hitting Marvel Unlimited this week. Uh, there's the I love the facsimile editions, which are mm-hmm. just full reprints of old comics uh, with their ads and everything. So Dazzler number one hits Marvel Unlimited uh, in there with its wackiness. Uh, second issue, uh, Jessica Jones' Purple Daughter, the original digital uh, comic. That's in there. It's a very, very highly. Uh, th- we love that one. Yeah. Just Definitely got to yeah. read that. Wolverine and the Infinity Watch number one is in Marvel Unlimited. A bunch of 70s issues from Marvel Presents and Marvel Spotlight, which uh, someone on Twitter was asking, like, hey, can you do more of those? There you go. Boom. We're doing them. Yeah. You did it. We did it. Everybody's <laughs> doing it. Uh, that's it. That's the end of this episode. Uh, we'll be back with another one next week. That's right. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe.